0: Welcome back to QAV, Tony. This is episode 626 for people that are counting. Uh, We're recording this on the 27th of June, 2023, two o'clock in the afternoon. And boy, oh, boy, Tony, boy, oh, boy. You know, we were joking around last week about the fact that uh, it had been a good week and uh, that it probably wouldn't last, and uh, we were right. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: that's worse than the pulled pork curse, calling an episode a good week.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. You're right. I I brought it upon myself. Mm. The uh, All Ordinaries acted like a toddler with an ice cream cone. Very- Every one minute, all smiles, enjoying the sweet taste of success. <laughs> The next, it's face down on the ground, melting into a puddle of regret.
1: <laughs> well, the, the, we, should, we should rename it the very
0: all ordinaries. Or the all very ordinaries. <laughs> it was very ordinary. Yeah, uh, what caused the market to crash last week, Tony?
1: Oh, well, same thing that's been causing it for the last. Apart four from me months. calling the episode a good week. <laughs> no, just just more uh divining of the tea leaves when Jerome Powell speaks. And, you know, the market got ahead of itself, thought there might be no more interest rate rises, we get out of a recession, blah, blah, blah. And then Jerome Powell came out and said, clean up that ice cream, <laughs> get off the floor.
0: <laughs> they also thought there might no longer be Vladimir Putin running Russia for a few days there. Yeah,
1: well, that happened on the weekend, um, though, I think. I don't know how much of that got into the market last week. Right. The, uh, the March on Moscow.
0: Yeah. We can talk about it in after hours if you like, but it's just been fascinating watching all the different
1: news sources and how they report.
0: Has been. Mm. Tony, somebody on TikTok, uh, one of my videos uh, on the QAV TikTok channel today, told me that success in investing is mostly about luck. Are we on TikTok? Uh, <laughs> I didn't know we were on TikTok. <laughs> we're on we're all the talks, Tony, yeah. the TikToks, the Tok Toks. The right. Fintox.
1: The Fintox.
0: Uh, so we're, so we're, we're
1: Fin, what do they call them?
0: Finfluencers. Finflu- we're trying to be <laughs> Finfluencers. Tony, long way to go. We'll
1: have to, get, um, we'll have to get Taylor to manage us, get a few brand deals going. I caught up with him last week. He said
0: that, yeah. Oh. He really, he called me as soon as he got out and oh. said oh, that it was really great. Mm. I'm sure he spent most of the time just talking about what a dipshit his father is. <laughs> That's a little bit of that. Favourite pastime, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that. I told anyway. him. The conversation goes something <laughs> like, I
1: told him. He just went, ah. So I went, ah.
0: <laughs> Pretty much the tenor of our conversations is he's, he's right there. He's on the money. So uh luck, getting back to that. Somebody's just, this guy on TikTok <laughs> is trying to convince me that success in investing is all about luck. How would you respond to that, Tony? Well, do you think it's luck the stock market's gone up on an
1: average of 10% a year for the last hundred years or more? It's hardly luck, is it? No. No. No, but
0: what about your success in investing? Is that luck?
1: Uh for, look, there's an outside chance it is, but no, it's it's, it's um no it's 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 distilling you know things i've learned over the years and applying them and refining them and cutting out things that don't work that's that's the scientific method it's not luck
0: my reply was you know if it was one person that applied mm. the value investing principles and was successful with it over the long term then maybe you could say it was luck if it was two people mm. but when there's like lots and lots of people, mm. you know, Buffett and Munger and all of the people that they've brought up around them. Uh, you've learned from them and others, and people have learned from you. People in, you know, our dummy portfolio is still performing 2.3 times the STW, mm-hmm. not the XAO. We'll <laughs> talk about that <laughs> later. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, when you see people, Lots and lots of people, person after person after person, applying the same basic principles and getting similar results. I think it's hard to put it down to luck. Well, and
1: to use the words of the master, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say use the words. If people, my favorite Buffett writing, I think just about ever, is a book or an article he penned called The Super Investors of Graham and Doddsville. And this is back yep. in I think the eighties nineties maybe when a guy called Eugene Fama was all the rage and the market was efficient, and you weren't able to ever reap long term returns that beat the index because as soon as that you had an edge it would be built into the share price and everyone would jump on it blah 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 and Buffett turned around and said, "Hey wait a minute wait a minute how how come I've done all this for the last twenty or thirty years and I know fifteen twenty other people I grew up with you know I went to Columbia University with, and they're all doing the same thing, and we're all beating the market. And someone said, "Oh, it's just luck." And so, and so he wrote a, a paper called "The Super Investors of Graham's and Doddsville," which he he spoke not just about himself, but about other fund managers he knew that had put Ben Graham's work into practice and was beating the market consistently. So it's yeah. not luck.
0: I tend to agree. Let me talk about the portfolio updates, uh, Tony. So, um, yes, the All Ords crashed late last week. Uh, We're still, as I said, outperforming the STW by about two and a half times. Financial year report, yeah, we're behind the STW still, but we're still up by about nine and a half percent for the financial year, so I can't really complain too much about that. No. And you know, uh, you know I've had a couple of Zoom calls recently, and people have been talking about their performance in the last twelve months or the the financial year, you say. And you know some of them are underwater, but it it, it depends a lot on when you started. Like if you started, if your portfolio wasn't uh, full and you've had to do a lot of you know trying to get mm-hmm. established in the last eighteen to twenty four months, it's been a really tough period and yeah you're going to have to rule one a bunch of things as the market tanks and it's hard to get established dummy portfolio obviously has been established since 2019 and it's we've had to trade a little bit but not as much and it's you know it's coasted along relatively unhampered during this period of turbulence There's still times when you have to sell stuff because of three PTLs or whatever. And um, Mm -hmm. then it's, if you try and replace it, you can get rule one endlessly Mm -hmm. for a period of time and that hurts. But I do think it's not luck, but it's just the the length of market cycles, right? If you start your serious investing in the middle of a Mm -hmm. downturn or the beginning of a downturn or just before a downturn, as we did with Mm -hmm. the light portfolio, the first light portfolio. Yeah, you're going to suffer for a couple of years while the market is turbulent, but it'll turn around again and you'll get back up on top and it'll all even out in the mix, guessing right there that it's all going to be okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, two points. First of all, I think people have to just disavow themselves of this idea that every year the market's going to, or that their portfolio yeah. is going to go up and and again to quote munger if you can't stand losing 50% of your paper portfolio then don't don't start investing because it's right. going to happen at some stage like it did to me during the GFC so yeah you've just got to push through these times and the reason why i say that is because a i don't know what's going to happen next week so i don't know if the market will be up or down so i therefore can't do anything particularly different to position the portfolio and and b um, no one rings a bell at the top of the market or the bottom of the market. So if I'm out of the market because I think it's going to go down and it happens to, you know, someone assassinates Vlad Putin and and Jerome Powell with the same bullet and the share market just goes on a tear, you're uh, you're out of the market and you've missed it. So I know it's difficult, but that's the business we're in, right? We've opened a business and sales are a bit slow this month or this year. The better example is you bought a house. And then uh, the RBA comes out and raises rates, and every every Monday in the Fin Review, you're reading an article about how housing prices are dropping. What do you do? You sell your house, or do you just go, "No, oh, I'm going to keep living here. Uh, it'll turn around. It'll come good." And it's the same thing with the, sh- the share portfolio. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. A, the house one's a good analogy. And you know, I the reason apart from. You know, the fact that I trust you, rightly or wrongly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't trust and me. Go and, and, and read yeah. Buffett and Munger and I and I've read yeah. Buffett and Munger and I know how history works. I, I've studied history for yeah. a living for a yeah. long time. You know, I saw it in our own dummy portfolio. Like we launched, there was mm-hmm. uh, the COVID crash. Not long after we've, you know, sort of completed the portfolio, it halved or whatever <laughs> a lot. Very, very quickly in a couple of months. <laughs> you were like, ah, this is what's going
1: on, Guinness, this is all rubbish. Ah.
0: And then, no, you weren't. then, you know, the market turned around <laughs> relatively quickly. We were up. At one point, yeah. we were up like 40% uh, over the STW. Mm. And then the market turned down, and, you know, our, our lead is narrowed. Now we're down to, you know, whatever we're at. We're sort of like 15 60% year on year. But, um, you know, we're two and a half times the STW still. And I know that when the market turns around, we'll probably get a bigger lead on the STW for a while. And then I remember when we were like, when we Rick. were doing like seven times better than the STW at one point, you said to me, don't get too excited. <laughs> it's not going to last. <laughs> it won't be like this. I was like, we should have. Hey, part of, we part of my, the back of my head, I was like, you don't know what you're talking about, Kynaston. We're going to kill this <laughs> thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we should have rung a bell and sold it. Yeah, top we should have
0: got out and <laughs> gone to the Bahamas.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually it's funny because that's probably the more more endearing memory I have of the share market is that there's been you know I don't know how many times half a dozen a dozen times where I've sat back and gone, geez I'm doing well that's a bit unusual <laughs> and they're always the times I should have I should have sold out. Okay, <laughs> well maybe that's
0: we should add that to the checklist if Tony's feeling buoyant <laughs> bullish bullish yeah bullish <laughs> <that's> get out. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah. just finishing my report. Uh. So for the financial year, we're up, but not as up as much as the STW. And for the quarter report, we're sort of slightly behind. I think we're we're down 1.4%, and the STW is down 0.4%. For the quarter, sucky quarter, mm-hmm. last seven days, you know, it's a sea of red, more red than a communist wardrobe during the Cold War, um, more red than a stop sign at a Ferrari convention. More red than Dracula's Wine Cellar after a buy one, get one free special. It's just, <laughs> I've got a whole list of these from <laughs> <laughs> Uh Yeah, a lot of red, a lot of red in our portfolio. Uh, um, now, yep. just talking about XAO, so, <laughs> you know, we compare ourselves and we benchmark against the STW, which was, you know, another one of Steve Madd's brilliant ideas. As we know, it's like the top 200 accumulation index. Well, I think isn't is the STW an
1: ETF that tracks? The yes, top 200. Yes, that's what it is. Index? Yeah,
0: same thing. And yeah. you know, as you've said a couple of times, I think over the last few months, a lot of the action, a lot of the growth in the ASX in the last year has been STW. Has been top 200. If you look at the rest of the market, it's there's not as much mm-hmm. and. And, you know, we obviously invest, you know, mostly in a lot of smaller cap stocks. We're not necessarily very reflective of the uh, top 200. We've got a few stocks in there, FMG and those sorts of things from time to time, but QAN. But normally we're sort of down at the lower end of the market, I think. But as so I say, this bright idea of trying to benchmark us against the XAO today. I said, oh, Netflix, uh, Net, not Netflix, Nevexa. Does XAO, oh, we can benchmark ourselves against the XAO, and I did that, and the dummy portfolio was back to seven times performance of the XAO. I was like, oh, look at that. (laughs) That's a better number. And then you reminded me that that's not an accumulation index. Uh, Dividends aren't factored in. And I had to reverse it all. That was so just depressing. But I still can't find, it's really hard to find the Uh XAOAI. Index out there, really? Why is that? Do you think you don't, you don't recall this conversation I, from three I, or no. four years ago?
1: This is this is how we landed on STW because we couldn't get a feed for yeah,
0: XAO I remember that, that happened after you reminded me. But yeah. why? Why <laughs> is it so hard to get an XAOII index? Like I yeah. googled it again today, and there's just yep. the one. Like I think it's Dow Jones website. S P's website where you can go in there and play with it somehow and get a figure. But people don't report on it for some reason. No one yeah. reports on it. Not even the ASX seems to report on it.
1: Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I mean, I, I think it's a better benchmark than the All Lords, but or yeah, button in the All Lords, Um but they don't. And and it could also yeah, you know, I mean, and also too, I think in these kinds of markets, dividends matter. That's the dividends that the companies are throwing off of. Much prob- probably more important than the growth in the underlying stock prices in terms of performance at the moment. For well, the, certainly uh, in our
0: portfolio over the last year or two, dividends have been a big mm. component of our performance. You know, strip out yeah. dividends, and it's you yeah. know just on capital gain alone, it's not looking great. Yeah,
1: well, getting back to your comment before about whether it's big versus small in the market. I mean, I invest in the big end of the market, so I'm not having much more luck than the dummy portfolio is at the moment. so I don't think right. it's big versus small. It's Possibly more value versus, um, well, I was going to say growth, but not growth. But, like, no, I think a lot of the gains in the in the ASX have been um, some of the mining stocks, um, coal for a while, uh, bank stocks, et cetera, and if they're just too expensive yeah. for us to buy,
0: they can go up
1: still, but right. we're just not going to look at them.
0: Well, anyway, bottom line is I'm still benchmarking us against the STW. It's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. <laughs> Fine, I'll stop it then. Yeah. It's time to ban okay. penny stocks from Australia's flagship share index, Tony, according to Tom Richardson the Financial Review. If you want to attract and win the trust of serious overseas investors, including sovereign wealth funds, pension funds, and asset managers, you don't want a flagship index pockmarked by penny stocks. Uh, he says that penny stocks are rearing their ugly heads on Australia's flagship S&P ASX 200, speak of the devil, with uh, alarming mm. regularity and a reflection of the market's deteriorating quality as the ASX shrinks for the first time in 18 years. Last week, Australia's flagship index resembled a penny stock casino with shares in Lithium Explorer Lake Resources crashing 38% to 29.5 cents after it revealed a six-year delay to its argentinian lithium project speculative biotech imugene finished the week at just 8.9 cents with tech hopeful brain chip losing 13.8 percent over the week up to 34 and a half cents so much for lithium boom stocks Is mm. lake resources the same as silver lake resources slr no different different oh, that's not confusing Um, So he goes on to say here that uh, like these are obviously uh, stocks trading for less than a buck. He said in the US, penny stocks are defined as those that trade less than US $1, and they're banned in the US uh, from the index, apparently. I didn't know that. He says they're viewed as ripe for manipulation. A $0.10 stock only needs 10 bids higher to $0.20 to soar 100% and double a manipulator's money and He's saying that the Australian index should remove stocks under a buck. I thought I'd get your thoughts on all of that,
1: Tony. Well, it's news to me. I don't think I've, I can't, yeah, I can't recall seeing any stock manipulation going on in the in the, the penny end of the market. I'm not saying it can't or it won't, but it doesn't make much sense to me because, like the companies you spoke about there, I think they, a couple of them, even though their share prices are in the cents in the dollar, they're still large market caps. I think. Uh, I don't know what Silver Lake is, sorry, Lake Resources is or Imogen, but I wouldn't be surprised if their market cap's still on the hundreds of millions of dollars. So they're substantial companies. So I don't buy into the argument that if the shares are $0.10 and they can easily be manipulated to get to $0.20, I guess they could if no one else traded except for small parcels. But if I owned a million dollars worth of, I don't know, Lake Resources and I saw the share price double because... Only small trades have been going through. And then I tried to sell my million dollars worth of shares. It doesn't matter what the share price is. It'd, it'd drop again because, you know, the volume would just be too big. So, yeah, I'm not really buying the argument. Uh, I haven't seen any evidence of it in Australia. I would also think, too, if, if they did ban stocks less than a dollar from the ASX, I wouldn't be surprised if companies like Lake Resources just did a consolidation to get there. Share price up to a dollar again. It seems like a sort of meaningless exercise. Tonight. Right.
0: Uh, Lake Resources mm. uh, share code LKE. By the way, market cap four hundred and eight million according to Stock Doctor.
1: Yeah. So it's still substantial.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just had. I, I would guess it would, It's had lots of capital raisings which have diluted the share price down each right. time. That's that's typically how company how large companies find themselves with cents in the dollars for their shares. Right. They've raised money a number of times. So. It's a bit of a trap if you're a shareholder because yeah, you've been diluted down to a small, a small, um, a smaller and smaller holding in the company. But I'm not sure that's the reason to exclude them from the index. It's because their market cap's still large. So yeah, I'm not necessarily buying into that argument.
0: He says Lake Resources entered the ASX 200 index in June 2022, and its shares have plunged more than 80% since then.
1: Okay. So that so that means they're now making up much a much smaller part of the ASX. So what's the problem?
0: It's, everything's the index is working
1: like it should work.
0: Right. Well, he says if you want to attract and win the trust of serious overseas investors, including sovereign wealth funds, pension funds, and asset managers, you don't want a flagship index pockmarked by penny stocks. We don't have a flagship index
1: pockmarked by penny stocks. <laughs> the, 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 Flagship index consists of miners and bankers and supermarkets. Right. Really, that's that's what you're yep. buying. But I don't know. I'm not even sure why you want to to attract people to buy the ASX index yeah. anyway. Is, it, is he just saying that you know more buyers puts pushes the price up? And that's probably a good thing for shareholders sure. here. So maybe it is an attractive thing to do. But and look, if we're out of step with international rules around these things, it's it's probably worthwhile reviewing them bringing ourselves back into line but um, I'm not seeing any evidence of market manipulation in penny stocks
0: he says the, SM, the the ASX 200 should exclude businesses that have zero revenue and stock prices under a dollar to protect index buyers and other market participants you can have zero revenue and be one of the top 200 stocks in Australia yeah. <laughs> wow well i mean that that's going kind to of-
1: you know, potentially eliminate a lot of companies from the index because that's one of the things they do. They raise capital through the stock market before they have a workable business. It's one of the things we try and warn people against is investing in those yeah. companies. But, um, you know, I mean, at one stage, Fortescue Metals Group would have been in that, would have been, you know, I've got a, I've got a tenement here I Like I could put some, an iron ore mine on, but I need to raise capital to do it. So, I don't again I don't buy into that argument. It's well, they can still be listed. Yeah, just it's just on. saying
0: they shouldn't be part of the top two hundred until they make a Oh, okay. Well, yeah, money. okay.
1: If that's yeah, if that's it, if that's different to the way it works around the world and you need to line the rules to them, that's fine. But um yeah, it does it does keeping them there are there are of course other rules in the index besides just the the market cap. You do have to have liquidity, et cetera, in the size. So yeah. I don't have an opinion on whether it's a good or a bad thing, and it's never worried me before. But um, if we're out of sync with the rest of the world, sure, review the rules.
0: The other article I wanted to ask you about, this is also from The Fin, Yesterday, is yesterday, Chanticleer, the $2.1 trillion reason it's time to worry about oil. Wilson's James at San, at San Caric- Caricature says oil demand is as robust as it was 20 years ago, but the poor outlook for supply risks, bad news for economies and good news for investors. And it says, for the last five years, James' caricature has been on the inside of big oil, helping to assess new exploration prospects at ExxonMobil. But now the geoscientist who has just joined Wilson's as the financial advisory firm's energy analyst has delivered a stark warning about what awaits the sector. Most don't think twice when we drive the car or open the fridge to grab food that's been grown, made and transported with energy-dense processes, but Karakatshynson says the world could soon face upheaval as the stubborn reality of supply and demand in the oil market sets in. Global demand for crude oil is more robust today than it was 20 years ago, he argues, as economic development propels non-OECD countries into the role of the world's major oil customers, shifting from 45% of global consumption two decades ago to 55% today, even on the most conservative estimates, assuming no population growth and consumption levels rising towards those seen in the US and Australia, demand from China, India, Indonesia, and Brazil will lift global consumption by 41% from today's levels. But he says there's a supply issue. And he also goes to say that the shale revolution in the US is almost over. They they've gone from being self-sufficient with oil two years ago to nah, got nothing, gonna have to buy it all from <laughs> Saudi Arabia and <laughs> Russia again. You go, oh Russia, <laughs> uh, That oil business. That, uh, mm. You know, they're, they're
1: sanctioning. Yeah, Vlad, you can you can stay in power. Just sign this, just sign this contract oh, with we'll,
0: us. <laughs> we will replace you with Prigozhin. <laughs> Oh, that'd be that be a good thing for the world. <laughs> Putin's chef takes <laughs> over Russia. Um, so, all yeah. of this, I, I don't, you know, I don't understand the oil market. You follow the oil market a lot more closely than I do, Tony. What what are your forecasts? Yeah, on, I not on the oil business, Tony. Well, for my two cents worth.
1: Uh, I think the article is one hundred percent right. Um, I'm, I hadn't heard the shale oil. Argument about the US, I'd, I'd be yeah. That's news to me. I think there might be a little bit more to run with the shale oil deposits in the US. I know they are getting uh, costlier to to extract the oil, so they tend to shut down when the oil price is low and then reopen when the oil price is high. So uh, I think that will continue because I, I agree. I think the oil price will go up just as I think the coal price will go up because you know there's a lot of pressure on in this case, oil companies. Uh, to limit them, limit their financing, to limit their ability to to find new fields, because there's a lot of people in the world who think we shouldn't be mining oil because of climate change concerns, and I get that. So there's a tension going on at the moment on on the um, supply side uh, because there's not um, enough new fields being found, uh, but demand is still increasing. So I think yeah, it's, uh, it's going to force the price up. However, that's a general thematic and a kind of long-term thematic or medium to long-term thematic. So there's going to be lots of ups and downs in the oil price along the way, and that's, I guess, what we pay more attention to rather than just, you know, buying Woodside and waiting 20 years to see if we were right or not. Hmm.
0: All right. What else? Um, Cosman. Shout out to Cosman. Um, had a Zoom, long-time club member, Cosman. He's uh, he's taken some time off, gone back to his house in Thailand, and he's working hard. And uh, he's come up with a, a number of good breakthroughs. He's posted these on our Facebook group, Ooh. but for people who haven't seen them, He's worked out that stock history, you know, we with our buy list, we use Microsoft's stock history function to update prices so you can open it any day of the week and you mm-hmm. get the latest prices. But some people don't have Office 365 and they haven't been able to use that, so we've been providing a, a static version of it as well in a different sheet. But he worked out that uh, you can open it up in Microsoft 365 online with a free account and you can see all of uh, the oh, stock wow. history stuff updated, so that was great. He also did some analysis on his own portfolio, and uh, he readily admits that uh, early on in his QAV career, he didn't follow Rule One very assiduously. Is that the right word? The uh, diligently. Let's go with that. Very diligently. And so he has got two portfolios in Stock Doctor that he showed me, his actual portfolio, what he has done, and where it would be if he had followed Rule 1 religiously. He did his own Mm. regression testing on his uh, portfolio. And he worked out that his performance would be twice as good if he had followed Rule 1 diligently over that period. So I thought that was interesting. I know a lot of people out there it is. struggle with Rule yeah, One. I mean,
1: <laughs> correct. Yeah, it is. That is the discipline um, that people tend to um, to forego the, the soonest. But yeah, it's also. I mean, we had a conversation. Apropos to our conversation last week about the Rule One death spiral that I've been having over the last twelve months, and whether Rule One should be ten percent or something different. So. Uh, it's good to to get feedback like that from other users to to sort of reinforce the rules are important. Um, having said that, I have asked our analysts to look at comparing a ten percent rule one to a twenty percent rule one um, over the life of our data, so the three or four years the podcast has been going, we we've, we've been producing buy lists in the current form, and uh, and just see the difference it makes. Because uh, I mean, even today, it's such a choppy market. Even today, I sold out of Collins Food, I think last week or the week yeah. before. And they've come out with a, you know, an upgrade, and the share price has bumped up twelve percent. So it would have been back, you know, it would have been still happily in my portfolio. Except I, like, I don't know if actually if Collins Food was a rule one. It might have been a three PTL. So I'm not sure. But anyway, it does seem like we've been going up and down a lot um, in the last twelve months, and that's just the, the sort of the way the market's going. But thanks, Cosman. That's great work. Good on you, mate.
0: Yeah, one of our listeners, uh, Max. Yeah, it was Max. He was quoting some guy called the Chartist, Nick Raj, who uh, Mm. does like 15 to 20% uh, for his equivalent of Rule 1. For for new listeners, Rule 1 is basically where we sell a stock if it drops 10% below what we paid for it. It's just sort of a stop-loss mechanism that we use. And from memory, it's a bit of an arbitrary figure. It was what it was going to cost you to buy insurance, wasn't it? Correct. It was, that's right. Yeah.
1: And, um, and just on that Nick Raj issue if Dave's listening um, I did have a look at it and this is max sorry Max I'm sorry Max if Max is listening I did have a look at it interesting site thank you the difference between what the guy on or the chartist was doing and what we're doing is he was using 15 20 percent stop losses for just any sort of retreat on the stock price right whereas we use a 10 percent below our buy mm-hmm. price. so we're just we're trying to preserve our original capital and this, this other guy was is just
0: using it as a general right. stop loss. Locking profits as opposed to our three PTL stuff, correct?
1: Yeah, I think he did have his versions of three PTLs, and there was a lot of discussion of Bollinger Bands and breakouts and things. So, you know, there were that's which is, you know, his way of doing it, different to mine, but yeah, that the 15 to 20% was a different application of the rule, but however, it's a valid point. I've never gone back and tried to work out optimally what the stop loss should be, so I've got there, got uh. ryan out there crunching some numbers for me which is great
0: and that's the end of the free episode of qav for this week if you're a new listener i just should let you know how this works so we have a free episode every week runs for about half an hour we have a premium episode also every week it goes for another 30 to 60 minutes depending on how many questions we get it's where tony answers questions from our club members if you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a QAV Club member, which is access to the checklist and and the Bible and uh, the private Facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have, invites to the dinners, Zoom calls, etc., et uh, j- sign up for the two week free trial and check out all that stuff out. You can do that at QAVpodcast.com.au. Look for the um, free trial button there. And if you uh, like the idea of value investing, QAV style, but don't feel like you have the time or resources to uh, you know, learn how to do QAV for yourself, think about signing up for QAV Lite. That's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week. And then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio, and if they become a sell, We email our QAV Light members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Um, Check that out, too. Um, It's sort of a low effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus and then where are you? But, uh, you know, while he's not, (laughs) we can do this. So check that out QAVpodcast.com.au slash LIGHT. That's it. Um, If you don't want to sign up to any of those, just keep listening to the free episodes. And if you have any questions, uh, shoot me an email. You'll find that on our website too. All right. Have a great week and good luck with your investing. QAV Podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 001292718. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.